Imagine yourself under a starry sky around the warm glow of the sacred fire as your hosts, Saren Odinson, Jim Two Snakes, and Caitlin Stormbreaker talk about shamanism, animism, books, science, psychology, pop culture, and more. Welcome to a show inspired by those late-night conversations by real-life spiritual practitioners. Won't you come and join us around Grandfather Fire? Well, welcome everybody. Thanks for joining us today. This is episode number 40 of Around Grandfather Fire coming to you from Convocation. I am Jim Two Snakes, joined as always by Saren Thodenson and Caitlin Stormbreaker. And joining us also for this panel today, we've got Carr from Three Pagans and a Cat, one of the other best podcasts in the world. So, Wow, in the world? In the world! In the world. That's what I'm going for, for the world. So, um, The purpose of this panel today is questions that keep coming up repeatedly, and I've been thinking about it a lot over the last few years, and, and Sarah and Caitlin and I have had conversations a lot at Pagan Fest as well about uh, you have a convention like this, and it's really profound, right? You have these rituals from presenters that are coming from all over the United States, sometimes the world, and deeply impactful and powerful transformations. And then Monday rolls around, right? So what do you do come Monday or Tuesday or whenever you go back into the quote-unquote real world to bring those changes and transformations forward. So I thought that a panel discussion about that would probably be a good idea. So do you guys want to tackle the submitted questions first or do you want to just talk a little bit briefly about what our thoughts are on this matter? Mm. As everybody shrugs. <laughs> Shrug for the podcast. It's great audio. <laughs> I forget. We, we don't have video right now, okay? We have it's video fantastic. Video. I love it. Yeah, I think we should we should probably uh, tackle the questions after. Okay. All right. Maybe talk a little bit about our own experiences first. Yeah, that's a fantastic one. All right. Um, so who kind of wants to tackle it first? Any thoughts on... Why'd like, you look at me? Because you're the guest. <laughs> Usually, we always let the guests talk first. Yeah. Well, actually, it's actually Take kind of pertinent in a lot of ways there. because <laughs> <laughs> the last couple of years, really, you guys have become really well known in a, in a short amount of time, which is added to a lot of public image, which can bring with it all kinds of ramifications for job life, for family life, and all kinds of things. So actually, you're a great person to kind of start addressing this question. I, th- I think for us, it's been... like We really did just kind of blow up. We started recording a podcast because... Uh, we were having conversations at home and we decided we needed some place to archive them because we kept having the same conversations over and over and over again. <laughs> and then I thought, well, we'll throw it up on the internet. There may be 10 people who want to hear what we're talking about. And three years later, we're coming up on a half a million downloads. So, wow. um, yeah, which is just absolutely blows my mind. <laughs> well, actually, you apparently do like listening to what we talk about. But, um, but yeah, the, the con thing, so like Convocation, Michigan Pagan Fest, we did Pagan Fires last year in Cincinnati. So that's, 
those that are farther away are really hard because like it's a five hour drive down there and you do the event and then you have five hours of drive home which you know is fine except that you got to drive through in this case Indianapolis which sucks right <laughs> so by the time I'm halfway home now I'm pissed off because I've had to deal with other people who don't know how to drive um, <laughs> and so it's really hard to keep that that emotional high or that mountaintop experience you have um, just getting out on the road and leaving the hotel or leaving the campground and and all of a sudden it's you're hit with everyday life again and it's you have to intentionally want to keep the high that you're on um, and we do that through like our Facebook group through our discord that kind of stuff because we have enough people who are involved with that that they like remind us of. Well, you just talked about how great this was, and you're like, "Oh yeah, oh that's right, it was great. It was great. That was awesome." Yeah, so that's right. it, it's it's nice to have that kind of built-in almost family that is kind of pushing you to remember all of the cool things around Grandfather Fire's been great with that because we'll always seem to be at a lot of the same festivals. Um, so you know, we'll I'll talk to Jim or Sarah and I'll text back and forth on Discord or. You know, or I'll come up with a great idea and send it to Sarah, and he's like, eh. um, <laughs> <laughs> um, "Don't worry, he does that to all of us. Yeah, yeah. It's not just you." And uh, but it's just you know, you really have to make a mental uh, decision that I'm going to carry this forward mm -hmm. because if you don't, as soon as you leave here and you get out on the expressway, it's going to be gone really quickly unless you have somebody who's willing to push you to be that. Um, if any of you all need somebody to push you to remember what it was like, feel free to find either Around Grandfather or Three Pagans and a Cat on Facebook, and we'll, we'll be happy to remind you. Hey, I know we had a great time, but what did we do? <laughs> we can kind of help, you know, be that um, push. I know that these guys are super active on Discord. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Probably way more than two of the three pagans <laughs> three <laughs> Ode's always on Discord the rest of us are like oh I check in from time to time <laughs> but Ode's not on Facebook and Gwen and I are so um, there's always some place to catch somebody but yeah, and so I guess use us as a resource mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. that that's why we do this this is why we've gotten into this and it has become at least for three pack and I, I think probably for you all too is that this has become to at this point it's a um, kind of a spiritual working that has to be done yeah. right yep. so yeah. we have so many yeah. people right. who rely on us now that we can't I when we take a break and we don't do an episode for a week because we're moving or whatever I feel really bad like all right well yeah. we've got to find yep. another way to yep. do something else because we've missed that um, you know, we've let people down, and you, we don't want to let people down. I think you all right. probably feel the same, same way. way. You're like, yep, all right, exactly. well, what, what other oh, content yeah. do we have? Oh, we did an interview we haven't uploaded yet. Let's make sure we get that up. So there's at least something going on. Um, so, yeah, it's again, I think it's just that mental, like, all right, I'm going to push right through this and make, you know, the 
spiritual high I had continue down the road because if you don't make that mental push to do it it'll be gone the second you end up right. on the expressway and people are idiots yeah yeah well it, because you know you have these profound changes right like you have a ritual and you're like you've got a whole different way of seeing something and the problem is when you go to change roles the real world wants to push back right even the people that you love the most in your life you fulfill a certain role in their universe. And when you try to step out of that role, there's going to be pushback. Even people that were in the same ritual with you sometimes. Yep. But certainly when you go back to work on Monday and, <laughs> and you know, that sort of thing, it's, uh, it's really going to have a lot of pushback. So you got to find ways to maintain that. And, and like you said, in that, that memory mm-hmm. of that ritual and that transformation, that message, you've got to find a way to hang on to that because uh, it'll slip away really quickly yeah and, and for me memory is a fickle creature I, <laughs> right it's like a, a water through a sieve i can't hardly hold on to a lot of memories i mean really really powerful ones will stick but after i have a really strong experience in a ritual i will take 10 15 minutes and just scribble down everything i possibly can whether it's colors or words or phrases or feelings or whatever as quickly as i can because it's as soon as i walk out that door it's already leaving me and so i will have that archive to return to later on and i can look at it and be like oh okay so this is this, this thing happened weeks after convocation or it happened after Michigan Pagan Fest and now I have a reference point that I can refer back to and be like, oh, okay, so this is this is in reference to that. I see where these correlate with each other now. So the watchword for me, especially after a weekend like this, is discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not going to carry these experiences anywhere if you don't have discipline. If once you're on the road, everything is going to fall out of your head, well, that means that you already know that you need to write stuff down or record it or whatever you need to to get it out of your head and onto a page or onto an audio (coughs) file. Whatever you need to do you need to be disciplined enough to recognize, hey, I, I, I have auditory ADD. I know that if I don't talk with somebody or write something down, I will lose it or I'll lose components. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of carrying it forward, <coughs> discipline is absolutely necessary because the practices for peak experience after you're done with it if you're not going to carry it forward into your life, what did you bother having the peak experience for? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, yes, if you're going to go to a, a ritual and make an oath, you got to keep it. If you're going to go to a ritual and you're going to have this peak experience, you need to carry that somehow into your life. Right. Otherwise, you're wasting your time and everybody else's. So, what do you need to do to carry that into your life and keep that momentum moving? Mm-hmm. And that's different for everybody. My discipline will not be your discipline because what I do may not work for you. On the other hand, maybe that's the challenge is taking on somebody else's form of discipline 
to bring this into your life in a way that you can't just slough off and bring that to a fuller fruition than you could on your own. Right. I think discipline's an actually a, a very interesting word that I hadn't quite considered because a lot of times for these big changes in our life, they're going to boil down a lot of times to making, breaking it down into smaller steps, right? Yep. So I might have this profound change that I want to make based on a ritual, and but I, I'm going to have to break that down into its components and enact those one step at a time. Because if you try doing a massive change to your life all at once, you're gonna run into some trouble pretty quickly, unless you feel like being a martyr, which I suppose is possible, but <laughs> it's not please, my preferred. Please don't be a martyr. Please just don't do it. <laughs> but there's so a, there's a difference though. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. So there's a difference between taking on something than what you can chew <coughs> and an initiation. Okay, sure. So, Initiations are, are one of these big explosion points where you are dead to who you once were. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And understanding yourself in this new light is of utmost importance. And kind of, it, it's, this, it's how are you going to set up the rest of your life, really? Because there's a dividing bridge between right. where this was, where you are. I think that that's an interesting topic to explore too. I mean, if you guys want to, um, after you've had that that death of the old self during that ritual, how do you recognize the changes in the outside world from that point? You know, because you're you're here, you have that experience, you're living that high of the spiritual life, and you are you feel yourself becoming this other person. But how do you recognize in that world? where those changes are going to be enacted in your life. For me, it's a feeling of discomfort or like a, a prickliness about maybe something that I do, whether it's an activity or people I hang out with, or maybe I'm suddenly finding myself placing boundaries in places that I didn't have boundaries before. You know, it's just having a general awareness of yourself and how you're acting out in the world and paying attention to how you act and react to certain situations and trying to suss out, okay, well, before I used to do this, but that feels uncomfortable to me now, so I'm going to try this instead because this makes me feel more comfortable and just continuously doing that until it sort of forms a habit of, okay, this is who I am now and accepting it as almost gospel. This is who I am. I'm curious, Sarah, because I know, like for you in particular, you've gone away to work with your teacher and had initiatory experiences. So you get on a train, you're heading out somewhere, you have an initiation, and then you come home. So, like, what happens when you come back? Because that was, in theory, a massive death to who you were. Mm -hmm. So how do you reincorporate that when you come home? So... <laughs> you would ask the hard one. Uh, That's his job, by the way. So, it, so it, to that, what immediately came to mind was Gabo. Um, you know, and you're talking about train tracks, so that kind of fits here. Uh, Gabo being gift for gift, reciprocity. Um, so... When I get on that train and I go and I go and the initiatory experience happens and I come back, um, the act of getting on the train, let alone all the rituals and all the experiences I have, 
getting on the train is a pilgrimage home to who I'm going to be. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I might take time out during the train trip to smoke and make offerings as I go along because I want to get home safe and I want to get home intact, but also because uh, there's this adjustment period and you have to give yourself time. And that can be really hard when, okay, I took just enough time off to do this thing, <laughs> and now i got to integrate back into normal society, huge air quotes. Um, so how do I do that? Is that kind of the... Yeah. So... Um, this Again, this is where discipline really shines because doing the daily prayers, doing the grounding, the centering, the shielding, doing the cleansing before I do all of that, having that ethic of this is the work I do to keep myself sane and safe and together, that's connective tissue between who I was, where I am, where I'm going. Um, Because that work, while the particulars might change, the practice is more or less the same as a connective tissue. and traditions that have these powerful initiatory experiences where you go and you're cocooned and then you come out of it again have a transition period and sometimes the train ride itself I might sleep the entire 18 hour trip um, I had one one time where I slept 12 out of the 18 hours I was on that damn thing so sometimes like your body's just like yeah we're done <laughs> Good night. We need We're to done. process. Um, other times, I'm awake the whole time, and I cannot, I can't go to sleep until I get home. And being gentle with yourself during this really sensitive period is is huge. So, how do you integrate back into society? Um, God, you know, every time I've had to do that work, I've had to do the daily work. It's the it's the the thing that got me through. And then whatever assignments you don't put them off to make if you have assignments to make that stuff stick you do them you do them and you do them diligently again discipline 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 <laughs> if discipline is too strong of a word for you the word I keep hearing is devotion and not necessarily devotion to another being or a spirit but a devotion to yourself and those changes you experienced and went through almost a dedication to that process and that transformation. Mm-hmm. I know that Ode's big thing was, so Ode had this experience here at Convocation now three years ago uh, <laughs> when she wandered into this class on runes uh, <laughs> by somebody she didn't know. Can't imagine who would have done that. And, um, <laughs> and came out with her opinion on runes completely changed. And... Oh, it doesn't drive, so that helps. So, but sitting in the car on the way home, like literally got out of runes and started an entirely new tradition with <laughs> them on the drive home and then every day because it made such an impact. And it, it was Sarah who taught the class, but um, and then it was like. The, the next last year it was like fangirl time for Ode. It was like, oh my gosh, now we get to actually talk to this guy. Um, Ode doesn't talk like that, but it's funnier that way. Um, I hope they listen to this podcast. Oh, they, yeah, they, yeah, they will. Um, Excellent. 
Yeah, I'm screwed. Um, <laughs> it's okay. They know who I am. Uh, but because it was such an impactful experience, they literally, like, the ride home were starting to do the work. And I think that's part of it, too. If you find something that's going to change how you do yeah. your path, mm-hmm. it's starting that right away. Mm-hmm. You know, you may not be able to do it. Please don't do it on the drive home if you're driving, because that's bad. Um, at least pull off, right? Right. <laughs> but as soon as you get home, sit down and, 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 and at least map out what you're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because yeah. if you don't, Monday comes, right? We all go to work or do our job or stay at home or whatever it is, but life happens. And then Tuesday comes and you're like, okay, well, what was I going to, I don't remember the whole, like, just, <laughs> what's going on? Right. But it's also, it, you may not forget essentially what you're doing, but that step suddenly seems so much bigger. Whereas as soon as you get home from convocation, it's there, it's fresh. That, it's less daunting. Yeah, mm-hmm. that new, mm-hmm. that first step yeah. is such an easy one to take, but the more space and time that is put in between your time at convocation and the time of starting the new practice, it seems like that step is much larger, even though it's not. It's still the same small step. It just seems more formidable and terrifying because you're further away from that energy. Yeah, I guess that's that'd be a matter of uh, maintaining the momentum. Yes. Yep. Right. Yep. Like if you're if, if there's momentum going on right now, follow through with it. Stick up with it. Keep keep going. Keep the momentum going because as soon as it starts to drag down, then that's when you're gonna find it easier to slip back into the old patterns. Another thing is get excited about it. You know, this is this is really exciting, life-changing, if you allow it to be life-changing right. things that are happening for you. you know, it doesn't have to be terrifying. It what? could be <laughs> coming from somebody who is scared shitless through 90% of her path. Yeah, no, it doesn't have to be terrifying. It really doesn't. Um, it can be exciting. You can embrace it and find joy in it too. You know, that and that's that'll feed you energy and give you more momentum to continue on the way that you're going. I think it's going to be key, too, to figure out new ways that you can incorporate things in. So, you know, an example that I've given before, but I, I still think it's pertinent. There was there was a time I was working in a factory, and it was, a, it was a fairly monotonous job. But as it turns out, one of the spirits that I was working with likes that monotony. Like, they, they have a pleasure in seeing things done in the proper order. And so doing something repetitive the same way over and over again brought them a great amount of joy so mm-hmm. it became a realization that I incorporate that part of my spirituality into even seal this envelope put it aside seal this envelope put it aside <laughs> it could all be part of that larger transformative work if I allowed it to be mm-hmm. so you weren't working with Loki that's what I'm hearing <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. No. You're right, yeah. No, that would have been a slightly different <laughs> result, I'm thinking. Yep. This one goes in this one. Yeah. <laughs> this one's right. this one. It's like Lucille Ball with John <laughs> <laughs> Right? Well, we better get to questions. Or yeah, we're I know, not right? Get to questions. I know, why don't we do one question from there and one question from the audience if they have That's it. a perfect solution. Yes. I like that. So, okay, so the first one... Um, 
when you've had to open yourself to family and others that might not be accepting of you, how does one deal with that authentically? Is it possible to find a way to keep those people in your life and should you keep them in your life? The shoulds are the tricky part because I don't know your relationships, right? So I don't want to make presumptions. So but. I'll start because my my situation is very unique in the fact that I did not grow up in an overly religious or overly Catholic, Christian, Protestant, whatever household. My mom and dad were very open about whether or not we wanted to have a religion. They didn't force it on us. They didn't go to church themselves, but we had neighbors that went and they said, if you want to go, you can go with them. We trust them. They'll take care of you. Um, and so that, that's kind of how I was brought up, and my family owns a salvage yard, so it was very earth-conscious type upbringing, you know, don't litter, don't be a jackass, you know, that kind of <laughs> stuff. Work hard, do, do your shit, go home. Family um, motto in, in Latin, <laughs> don't be a jackass. Don't be a jackass. Um, which is funny, because my mom's, like, catchphrase is jackass. So, um, when... I started on this path, I did have some anxiety because I do have family members that are very, very weirdly religious and it always kind of confused me as to why they were so obsessed about it and how they forced it on other people. Um, And more than once in my life I heard, you're going to go to hell because of that. And I'm like, cool, I'll see you there. Um, (laughs) But when I, I didn't really come out as pagan, I just kind of did it. You know, I, I started wearing my necklaces, um, which are very nondescript. If you didn't know what they were, you wouldn't have any other idea. It's, it's just a pretty necklace, you know. Um, and I'd post things here or there on Facebook. And my path primarily started with yoga, which was a very huge, is still a very huge phenomenon. So it's kind of everywhere, and a lot of people are talking about it. So it was kind of an easy way for my family to kind of be like, okay, well, she sees the world a little bit differently. Um, and in our setting, it's kind of a don't ask, don't tell situation. You know, I'm not... I, t- <laughs> don't ask, don't tell. I mean, it doesn't... Yeah, yeah. It's, right. it's not a normal conversation that comes up in my immediate family. Um, now, in my... That individual who kept telling me, you're going to go to hell for this, found out about it. They had a little bit of a mental breakdown. And the thing that I said to them was, why... <coughs> I I want you to answer this question honestly. Why does my faith threaten yours? (laughs) And (laughs) you, I could see it happen. Something snapped in their brain. And they were kind of aghast and didn't know how to respond to what I said. And I said, sit with that for a while, you know. Give, allow yourself space to think about why my path threatens yours. And now we, it's, we've gotten to the point where we just don't talk about it, and it's fine. So mine's, mine's really odd, because my wife was already a witch, so that was pretty much covered. My kid was already a heathen, and <laughs> I have another child who's not on our podcast who is also a witch, um, and I was the lone Christian in the family. Um, so it was really easy for me to make that change, like, incorporated into my family. Um, but that said, the reason why I'm known as Carr on the podcast is because my mother still doesn't know. And 
there are two things that could happen. A, she could die, and that would solve my issue. Um, I love her, but, I mean, that would solve this issue. Um, God, this podcast. <laughs> Hopefully she doesn't listen to this. Um, the other thing is, I can be outed by the fact that, yes, we're on YouTube. We're on, our pictures are out everywhere. All of that kind of stuff. So I would much rather her find out that way then have to have the conversation, right? Hmm. Yeah. So that's probably the easiest way to say it is I'm kind of a wimp when it comes to that. Like, <laughs> I just don't want to have this freaking conversation with my mother who ran an organization called Lead Like Jesus for 15 years. <laughs> so, I, you know, I'm just... I, it's just one that I don't want to have. So, <laughs> and uh, you know, I think she's figured out something because I used to be every phone call we get, she'd be like, "Hey, have you found a new church home?" And my answer would be like, "Oh, uh, no, not yet. Haven't really looked." And just leave it at that. Like I'm too busy. Um, and now she doesn't even ask those questions. I used to get greeting cards from her that were every possible scripture in the world. Apparently, you can buy greeting cards with. Basically, the Bible attached to them. Oh, yeah. No, um, I've seen them. But now I get greeting cards that just are like, hey, I love you, son. So it's, I think she's figured out something, but she doesn't... Turns out she doesn't want to have the conversation right, either. So. That would be fine, too. Yeah, I think so I guess it's a third option. This is she what doesn't have to die. For. That's okay. <laughs> so I think that's the odd thing. And in the rest of my family, I have no real contact with. So like, they haven't talked to me in years like... 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm a pagan or a Christian or a whatever. Um, so it's, it's actually been kind of easy. Like, I'm out, except with my mother. I post things on Facebook, just so you know. On Facebook, you can make it so that you post to everybody minus one person. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how my Facebook is set up. Everybody sees it, but my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how did you approach this, Eric? Because, I mean, you're How very I? tied to your family, and they're very Catholic, right? So, <laughs> so I came out in about the worst way possible. <laughs> oh, no. So, when I first became a pagan, I my, my folks would send money to me at college that I was supposed to be using to buy things like food. And <laughs> my then-girlfriend, now-wife would occasionally because I couldn't drive I didn't have a license and yeah so she'd take me out occasionally to um, a pagan store out near her and I eventually said okay I am I'm ready around Samhain of 04 I finally said okay I, I think I'm ready to take the plunge I've done research for a couple of years now Bridget's calling me I guess I'm gonna make this choice and I picked up a pentacle a little brass one and I wore this everywhere after dedicating it and cleansing, dedicating, da 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 Okay, so, my problem came one day when the pentacle slipped out of my shirt and Dad <laughs> saw it. Oh, what's this? <laughs> and upstairs, in, underneath my bed, we had stashed a copy of uh, Scott Cunningham's Wicca. <laughs> like hiding the Playboys. So right, it was yeah. Cunningham's Wicca book. It's a good thing you put it under the bed, not under the mattress. It wasn't just that I'd stashed this under my bed. 
I also forgot that we had donuts with it as offerings for later. <laughs> so. What a weird thing. <laughs> Son, <laughs> I think we need to have a talk. <laughs> so. I'm really confused right now. <laughs> I hadn't talked with my folks about this. The pentacle fell out of my shirt and made the choice for me that we were going to have this talk, and I was a dick. And shocking everybody, I'm sure. <laughs> um, because at that time, I had absorbed kind of all the wrong lessons of Wicca. You know, never again the burning times, and I was a frothing at the mouth convert. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, we've all had those times. Yeah. I was, you know, the church is bullshit, and this is bullshit, and you're going to accept this. I was doing this in their own house, mind you. <laughs> Oh, boy, did I break hospitality. Yeah. <laughs> now, mind you, my parents had had religious education. My mom through public, dad through Catholic. And they both kind of understood some of the vague things around these different religions. And dad was like, nah, fuck you, there's the door. And he made the right choice. Because that was bullshit for me to talk to that way to both of them in their own home time I was frothing in the mouth this is horseshit these people are horseshit da, 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 da. well I mentioned the Scott Cunningham book and the donuts because um, later we didn't speak for three months after this but later <laughs> dad explained to me the book didn't belong to me it was somebody who let me borrow it he explained to me that he had tossed the book had thrown away the donuts and then blessed and cleansed the whole house and said to me couldn't you have at least offered me one fucking donut? <laughs> <laughs> so, I love my father. His sense of humor is, is very ingrained in me. Um, you know, and my mother and I, I were talking more or less about a week after it happened. I didn't speak to my father for three months. I had family members calling me up and going, why aren't you talking to your dad? It's eating, it's eating him. It's tearing him apart. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, I can't. I can't. I'm frothing at the mouth still. So, um, that is not the way I would have wanted any of this to go. Um, we have since made amends, and we have very great conversations, good reflective conversations on both sides. Um, and I've made a lot of peace with my... my so there's this funny bit with ancestor work where the Catholic ancestors go, Rrr. and so I was- <laughs> What was that noise again? <laughs> uh, so apparently they're hand puppets. <laughs> <laughs> well, mine are shadow puppets. <laughs> For some gods, they are. Yep. Um, so St. Francis de Assisi was one of the, the saints I was confirmed under. I have kept up his cultus as a heathen, as a polytheist, because I hit this point, and I can thank my elder for this one. So Galena was like, you didn't have you don't have to like entirely discard everything there. There's still power and relationships to be had there. Mm -hmm. And if you got some ancestors that are are gonna be dicks about it, well, statistically speaking, not every ancestor is a dick. <laughs> Go back further. So I've done a lot of reparative work. So again, discipline. So if you're gonna do ancestor work. Sometimes you're gonna to have to encounter those ancestors who are like, I don't agree with your choice, but you're still family. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
Um, and then there are going to be some ancestors that entirely turn their back on you and you'll just have to deal with it. Now, I was lucky in that my family held space for me to come back and have conversations. And when I switched out symbols, like the, the pentacle was the thing, one of the things that my dad objected to. When I started wearing the Ankh as a priest of Anubis, there was no problem. Hmm. Symbol of eternal life, it looks like a cross, we're good. Hmm, interesting. Mm -hmm. So symbolism matters, how you, how you express yourself matters, and I did not have the words or the training to hold a cogent conversation or a respectful one. I was 18. I've grown since. Um, and I have family members who are more than willing to sit down and have good conversations where we compare notes. Hey, so this weird spirit thing happened to me. Oh, you should talk to this saint. And we're exchanging information and advice. So um, I'm like the only ancestor worker in my family and so the Catholic ancestors kind of got to get with the times and not be dicks about it. And <laughs> get along, if nothing else. So I just hung a rosary for mine, and they're pacified. So. <laughs> it's weird. I think um, so. I've been a pagan so long that I actually struggle to remember some of these early times, and there's never been really a huge confrontation with my family. Um, there were certain relatives that I didn't have the huge open conversation with uh, my grandparents in particular because they were they were conservative they were Lutheran and so I just I didn't feel like I needed to confront that I could still remain authentic to myself mm -hmm. a lot of ways I explained it to them was that I was very influenced and and uh, oh inspired by Native American spirituality. And so for them, that was that was close enough. And then I'd start getting into stories when they went to the UP when they were children and they interacted with Native Americans. And then I could tell them what I had discovered and, and, and talk about it coming from like an anthropology magazine or Michigan history magazine. And so we kind of bridged, I think like they knew, but nobody said, so we're kind of getting into yep. the car situation there. Mm -hmm. um, but that was just with my grandparents. With everybody else, including my my Mormon aunt and, and, and my Muslim cousin and a few other, I, I'm just kind. Of, I am who I am at this point in time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. So when we're addressing the question of authenticity and should I remove people from my life, I think it's kind of like Facebook, in the sense that you see who I am. If you don't like it, you can remove yourself. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And you might find that some of these people who are frothing at the mouth <laughs> dicks to you, <laughs> like me, <laughs> will be some, some person that later on you can have a much better connection with. Because right now it might seem really horrible, right. really acrimonious, but once the waters settle and you have that peace, you can have dialogue. Well, also I think that sometimes what we're running into is, once again, when we're back to this roles thing, like when you come back home and you're trying to change your role, the reason sometimes people are pushing back so hard is because they're uncomfortable because all of a sudden they have to question if their right way is really it mm. right I think they when you are trying to slip out of your role that leaves voids and spaces where they have to stop and consider themselves and that freaks a lot of people out well and I, I think it also speaks to the fact that you no longer fit the mold that they have for you you know, you're coming into your own being, your own person, 
and you're suddenly you're not that person shaped anymore and it, it challenges their view on you and who you are and that scares them you know um, I think talking about the authenticity of the conversation though is very important how you approach the conversation don't approach it frothing mad stomping your feet saying <laughs> this is me fucking deal with it you know so maybe so Sarah you did it wrong Okay, just so you know. In case you didn't. Um, but sit them down, have a cup of tea, uh, uh, share a glass of water, and explain to them, this path has really fulfilled my life. It's helped me find a sense of peace and validation within myself. It's helped me found, find sure footing and grounding. Maybe don't go into all the details of everything you do, especially if you have very Christian families. You know, the fact that you shook bones while listening to drums and danced around in a circle <laughs> might freak them out a little bit but say i had especially this if you did it sky clad <laughs> yeah right yeah, you know just leave the nakedness out of it it's fine right right um they don't need to know exact details but they do need to understand that you're safe and you're well cared for you know and i think that's kind of what it boils down to is the biggest thing yeah they're really concerned about you because they love you and they care about you and they want to make sure you're safe and you're cared for and you're mm -hmm. right. right not right. being harmed on this path well, let's say anybody in the audience have a question they want to ask right now oh boy i didn't mm -hmm. expect that many oh who we want I, to face? I see that hand sorry <laughs> so southern baptist pastor and me coming out go ahead <laughs> um well, before I get to my question, I just want to say on your, your symbol, uh, I don't think it just fell out. I think the gods on both oh, sides. Oh, no, no. I, it was a setup. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly think it was on both sides, though. That, that force that, so, yeah, you went through a war, but then you were able to have peace. Yeah. And now your relationships are stronger. That's yeah. my feeling on that energy. No, that's very accurate. Yeah. The, the, the question I have is, is, I gradually moved into from a Christian base and at a certain point I just said I have to walk the walk mm. and when I said okay this is who I am I got challenged with well explain your whole religion <laughs> and all the doctrine and all the tenets mm. and everything oh, yeah. go and I'm new yeah. And I don't have all that info. I'm seeking that information. And so my thing is, is I didn't know what to say. That was the, how do you deal with, uh, it was really bad with coworkers. Yeah. Right, right. You know. So. <laughs> so. So. <laughs> stereo. A needle. Um, ha ha having come out of the Christian background, um, and, and been a pastor, so you know I did cemetery, a seminary, and everything. Cemetery. And, um, <laughs> sorry. Um, they don't know their doctrine either, right? So all they know is what the guy standing up in the pulpit has said to them, because they actually haven't cracked open the damn book and read it. Right. 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 So if they want to know everything about yours, ask them about theirs. Because I've discovered that pagans know a hell of a lot more about Christianity than Christians do. Yeah. Right? Because we've actually yeah, yeah. taken the time to read the damn book. Yeah. I also have about 200 of them, so yeah. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so I mean, and that, that really is it. Like, all right, cool. Tell me about yours. Right? Okay, so you know those Ten Commandments. Let's go. Look in Leviticus. 
Do you know where Leviticus is in your Bible? <laughs> Probably not. But let's look at some of those things. I mean, it's just... You're not alphabetical? If, <laughs> Sorry, do you know if, what page number there is? If, if, depends on the Bible. <laughs> are there footnotes? Um, Christians are really good about following the rules that the guy in the pulpit says. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But if they actually read the book, they wouldn't be able to live in today's society. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Because they would abstain from a lot of shit and they would do a lot of other stupid shit. So ultimately. A whole lot of people. <laughs> what? A whole lot of eyeless people. Yes, exactly. And, and, and so, you know, it's a. I, I, would, I would challenge them at that point because there's so much that they have no clue of. And you only got to bring up one or two of them before they realize how ignorant they really are. Not stupid, ignorant. They just don't know. Yeah. Um, and if you don't know what you don't know, you don't know. And that's just, that's the way the majority of, I would say, the Judeo-Christian religions roll. Um, I would argue with that. Judeo-Christian, no. Okay. Jews, Christ- that's in true. my experience, tend to know the religion very well. Mm-hmm. People who are... Jewish in their religion, not Jewish in their heritage. Yes. Yes. Okay. But the problem is Christians are the same thing. Yep. You're born in the United States, you're Christian. It it just so our heritage is we're Christians. Mm -hmm. Um so there are a lot of people who claim Christianity and quote unquote try to walk the walk and talk the talk who have no idea what any of that is. Um, Most of their information comes from Facebook posts and right, exactly what what the latest meme is. Yeah, um, so I think it's just a matter of like going, okay, cool. You know what? I don't know everything about my religion yet, but do you know everything about yours? Right. And just find a couple of those. Like look in Deuteronomy and Numbers and Leviticus. You know those Old Testament books. It's kind of funny. I found that in Exodus as well. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I think there's a, a value there too of. You know, they are without some of them might not be meaning to, but some of them do mean to knock you off your feet when you're brand new. Right. Some of them are really pushing back because they want to knock you off back into that path that you were on that they're comfortable with. So I would say if you're like it's something like this, like, you know, if if Ode had taken Saren's class on runes and now someone is trying to bash Ode back into the old way of thinking, Ode should not be afraid to say, hey, I just learned a lot of this stuff myself. Why don't we go talk to the person yep. that I just heard speaking about it? Yep. I like Why don't we look the bus. them up? <laughs> I, 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 I always Ode throw under, under the bus. The bus. So. <laughs> I throw everybody under the bus. My next spiritual hat's going to be a bus cap. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> so. Uh, another, oh, I'm sorry. I just have a little addition to that. Okay. Tell them that you are learning and express to them what you do know at this point. You know, be very clear and state that this is what I know and this is what I'm comfortable with sharing with you. Other than that, I'm still seeking. You know, right. and maybe even I, this may not be part of your work, but finding the similarities between mm-hmm. their religion and yours and telling them those similarities only. That way they're like, yeah, that's oh, a good point. Yep. well, that's not very different from what I do anyway. Right, you know, right. good for you. I want to interject one thing about Christians because I was just really mean for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Their push for you to be Christian is not them being mean. 
It's they're afraid they're not going to see you in the afterlife, and they want you to be there. That's true. Yeah. So, so it comes from, from a really good, good heart yep. space for them. Even it's if it rude is. as crap for them to do it, but it comes from a great space. Right. Yeah. Right. So you have well, to realize fair. that. That's fair. So to kind of piggyback off this gentleman's question, um, I've been having these kinds of conversations for 20 years at least, and being and been pretty successful in in having a lot of great you know conversations with Christians, both family members and the strangers at the door that come knocking, and the roommate says, <laughs> "You're up." <laughs> okay. You're you know, But um. In literally the last couple of months, I have reconnected with an old family friend who is that basic one percenter who knows and has, you know, studied the Bible and has been, you know, you can't just question and and, and kind of make it an even, an even playing field. We had an hour and 10 minute conversation and with me saying, I respect your beliefs right. and I only ask that you respect mine in return and um, so I mean the conversation ended up pretty okay in the end but there's still that whole I need to save you apostolizing thing going <laughs> right. down yeah. so at what point I'm looking for some suggestions because now she wants to write me um, and and discuss further and such so I have a huge amount of respect for this woman. Mm -hmm. How do I? I know you said. I know you said <laughs> yeah. that you have. Yeah. I know that I have the right to stop, but I want to be as respectful to the situation as possible. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't want to be a dick, Sarah. Just keep that in mind. Appreciate <laughs> <laughs> it. So. Again, this comes back to discipline, knowing your boundaries, mm -hmm. like being very clear at what point this isn't a debate. This is you're trying to convert me. Right. Being very clear where your boundaries lie in terms of this is off topic. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is we're not going here. Mm -hmm. um, so the biggest thing I find in a, in a conversation with a Christian who really wants to either convert you or have a conversation that kind of leads in that direction. And that's going to be something you got to suss out. Mm -hmm. Is this a conversation or is this a conversion attempt? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If it's a conversation, there are different boundaries on that conversation. We're not going to talk about this. We're not going to talk about that. We are going to talk about this. We are going to talk about that. Um, if it's a conversion conversation, feel very free to shut that shit down. Like, <laughs> um, you, you do not have an obligation to a debate. It doesn't matter who the person is, family, friend, lover, don't matter. You do not have to oblige a person to debate. Your beliefs are just that. Mm -hmm. And that pushback may be something that person's never experienced because you're gonna get these people who've studied the Bible crossways, up, down, left, right, and they're gonna wanna have that conversation because they've got ammo. And one of the easiest ways to take the ammo out of the conversation is, I don't recognize biblical authority. It deflates the entire argument they can put forward for you. Because I'm not a person of the book, a person of the damn library. So let's have that conversation. And if nothing else, remind them that the Ten Commandments say, thou shalt have no other gods before me. 
which means that you're a monotheist, not a monotheist. That will spark some interesting conversation if they've read their Bible, if they know how the translations work. Elohim is plural. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm going to hippie hop off the sofa. <laughs> I think um, having a level. Having the level of respect you have for this woman is phenomenal, um, but also remember to have that for yourself and set very strong, very firm boundaries and gently but firmly remind this individual when they try to cross that boundary, please don't. And make it a point to say, you know, you are hurting me, you're hurting this relationship by challenging me in this way. I understand that you feel like it is your life's purpose to convert me to this religion but it has there's nothing there for me i would rather i i want to leave it as a debate i i enjoy the debate i enjoy the back and forth where we can kind of talk and bounce things off of each other but if it is your intention to try to convert me back to this religion then i'm telling you here and now that i'm i'm not going and being firm about that. I am not be, being firm, but not mean. Mm -hmm. You know, you still have to be gentle and kind to them, but that doesn't mean that you have to bend over backwards for them too. Mm -hmm. You know? I think that's a really excellent points, especially being clear that they're hurting the relationship mm -hmm. and, and because some people don't realize what they're doing is harmful or hurtful. So I think that's a really good suggestion. You could also approach it from the angle of, you know, I, I, I think you're a great person, and here's the topics I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Here's the ones I don't. And for the ones that I don't, if it's really a matter of you thinking that your religion is really important, instead of preaching to me, lead by example. You live a really good life, and let me see that, and we'll see how it sorts out at the end. Mm -hmm. Right? I think that's a valid approach. Mm -hmm. You know, challenge them to put it into action as opposed to just preaching at you. If I may. So this is also a two-way street on the pagans part. Yeah, because this is true. Uh, one of the things I see a lot from the pagan quarter is they'll attack the divinity of Christ. You don't need to fucking do that. And here's why. <laughs> we have dead gods. We have gods who are human. <coughs> Apotheosis is a thing. Antinous is one of the, the primary examples that comes to my mind right now. And hello, PSVL, if you're listening to this. Um, we do not need to attack the divinity of Christ. We don't need to say that God isn't real because it's bullshit. Right. If you are a polytheist mm -hmm. or an animist, mm -hmm. you gain nothing intellectually in debate by attacking the divinity of God, Christ, or the Holy Spirit. You can say, hey, this guy smells like an abusive father figure. <coughs> That's a legitimate criticism of that God. But denying their divinity doesn't do us anything in the debate. Right. It actually weakens our debate. Right. That's a really good point. Mm -hmm. And this is a thing that I see a lot in atheist corners, of course, because none of these gods are real to them. But I see it repeated in polytheist course from discourse with atheists. And I'm sorry, we need to drop that bullshit. Right. Mm -hmm. Because if we're going to have a productive conversation, you can't have that by saying, well, your god's fake and my god's real. What kind of dick measuring contest are we playing here? <laughs> <laughs> If the point is to have conversation, you cannot enter the conversation by immediately discounting the reality of their god, if you believe in multiple gods. Well, and I, I, I come from a standpoint that all religions are valid. Absolutely. Just that one's not valid for me anymore, mm -hmm. yeah. right? right? So right. I have moved on to something fit. else that feels valid now. Mm -hmm. 
But if it works for you, good for you. Yeah, that I might mean, actually I don't just have be, a problem with it. That might actually be the perfect response for a lot of people. Yeah. I'm glad you're happy in your religion, and I hope you continue to be happy. It's just not a good fit for me. Right. Mm -hmm. so. Yes, I see that hand. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to speak to that for a minute, because I've had a couple of really good conversations with people from multiple backgrounds, and I can get them to realize that their God and their saints and their angels is how they name in the same way that I name the gods I believe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. And when they look at it that way, and it's okay, there's a highest God, and there are other lower level people who are there as well. Yep. I tend to get a much better response right, when right. I talk to them mm -hmm. because yeah. it doesn't invalidate them and it doesn't invalidate me. It's a, it's a little yeah. bit like <laughs> when I was saying to my, you know, my grandparents that I, I got a lot out of Native American belief because, you know, a lot of getting a little academic, but the whole great spirit is God thing is, is kind of a misnomer. It's not really accurate to how Native Americans believed. But it was something that when they were trying to convert the Native Americans became a very powerful weapon. Oh, great spirit is God. It's the same thing. And, you know, we could, we could, we could talk about that as not being valid, but whatever. My point being is that's quickly reversible too. I judoed the hell out of that shit. Oh yeah. Great spirit is what I'm worshiping. It's the same as God, right? <laughs> so, I think uh, for me, when I find a really authentic practitioner, whether it's a practitioner of Christ or Baphomet or any of the Apus that we worship, etc., 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 is those practitioners that ask you about your path and then get excited about it yeah. and start asking more questions. You know, whether or not they want to learn anything from you is a kind of a misnomer like it may or may not happen i'm one of those people if you tell me about your path i'm really excited about it because i might learn something that is beneficial to me i will ask you questions and i will and not challenge you but i will ask you questions to go deeper and hopefully help you find a deeper meaning in your your path as well um so I think remaining with that idea in your, your head about other practitioners and seeing whether or not they're challenging you or um, celebrating you is a right. good way to look at it, to determine whether or not to keep them in your life, if that's yeah. a thing. Question right here in the front. Um, it kind of piggybacks off both of them. I've been having kind of the same problem. I have a friend who's been like, we literally grew up since like babies together. Mm -hmm. She's very Christian. I'm obviously really not. I'm still learning. I don't have all the answers she wants to give. I don't want to cut a tie with her, but all she wants to do is talk about how I need to go back to where I was. Right. Well, I'm kind of at a loss of what to do because I've tried to tell her, you know, I'm not interested. I've tried to tell her, you know, this is my religion, this is your religion, you know, like, I respect you, you I want you to just respect me. But she keeps saying, all she keeps saying is, I'll pray for you. And it's like, that's not what I want. I want you to respect me, but I don't want to lose ties with her either because she's like my bestest friend that I've had since I was a kid. I don't want to lose it with her. What the heck do I do? Thank her for the prayers. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I was going to yeah. say exactly no that. Harm yeah. That right. Hey, you know what? No, it doesn't pray, matter. Pray who, for me. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter who they pray for. 
or pray or two. to for, for you. you. Right. That is their highest compliment that they can give you. Okay. You know, when a Christian tells me that, they say, well, I'm going to pray for you. I always say, thank you. Okay. I appreciate it because she's sending you loving warm energy through those prayers you know that's her way of supporting you in her fashion okay because it just because it's different than what you do i don't know why you're laughing sarah but i got this picture in my mind (laughs) of like the upper world where there's like an exchange counter like you exchange dollars for for (laughs) canadian coins it's like yeah i got a couple prayers for one of your worshipers oh sweet i got one for yours all right what's what's the exchange rate right now anyway i don't I think that's absolutely right. Just just thank her because okay. her heart is coming from a good place. Well, it's not even you that. Know? It's just the fact that I'm fighting with her. Not really. I don't want to say fighting, but I'm just... Mm. Every time we talk, that's the only thing that ever comes up. And it's like, you're my best friend. Please just respect me and have some sort of love for me. Prayers aside, <coughs> have some sort of love for me you right. know, and respect what I'm doing. I've literally gotten to the point where I have an altar sitting right out front of my house. Like, I literally have it right in my living room. And I don't care who sees it anymore because it's like, this is who I am. I do think that's one of those conversations you need to have where you're like, listen, I love you and I value this relationship, but you're hurting me. Yeah. Yeah. Lay it out on the and, table for and pray, yeah. pray for me all you want. I appreciate the prayers. Right. But let's talk about what happened with our days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah, we've lost not make so it a spiritual contact. conversation. Yeah, we've yeah. lost so much contact. We don't talk anymore. It's been... Probably at least I mean, years since I hate to say so. this, but on a very blunt level, ask the shaman in the room here, but the there's part of me that wonders whether your relationship is with her or is with the memory of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I'm feeling like yeah. where you're at right now is... So another part of when we're incorporating all this stuff into our day-to-day life is... It's not just other people who want to push us back into those roles. It's also ourselves because we mourn these things that yeah. are lost, right? Yeah. We are sad for these relationships that are going away. We are sad because we don't have the same friendships or the same relationships that we used to have. So that change dynamic comes from both places. A lot of times if someone comes to me and they're going through like a divorce, I tell them to have a little funeral. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, what? And I'm like, I, they're like, you know, especially if they don't like, I don't like this person anymore. I'm like, I don't care if you yeah. like them or not. You're not having a funeral for them. You're having a funeral for the potential of that relationship. Okay. And there's a there's a sadness there that that needs to be mourned. But sometimes it is just time to move on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, Absolutely that. I, I, I know, think that once you tell her that what she's doing is harming you, she might change her death. Mm-hmm. I had something kind of remotely related to that. Um, centered around a situation that happened with my son's accident. One of his friends was solid, full-on Christian, but she was actually afraid to approach me to ask if it was okay to pray for my child. That's so sad because and it's, I know a lot of pagans... Um, in the world over have a very negative relationship when it comes to the Christian lifestyle because there has been so much pain and so much hurt that has been perpetrated against somebody because of that Christian religion but returning to the fact that 
what Christians do, and this is something that Carr said earlier, is through well-intentioned purpose. It's what they were taught to do. It's how they're taught to care for others in their community. It's it's how they're taught to feel safe within their lives. And to have that be returned and flipped the other way is they're afraid to come to us to say, can I pray for you? Actually, I had a very dear friend of mine who's very Catholic contact me and said, I send Christmas cards out every year, but I know you're pagan. Is it okay if I send you a Catholic-based Christian Christmas card? And I was absolutely <laughs> you're thinking about me on a on one of your sacred holidays even though mine is yule and they kind of correlate with each other but you're praying for me to your own god and i appreciate that and i'm very grateful for that and she was grateful to hear that yeah. long story short i said yeah of course you can absolutely yeah. you know, there's no reason for you not to I, I do want to cover, we're running yeah. quickly through the time, so I want to cover one more that was submitted because it, it's a bit of a doozy. Okay. All right. This one, <laughs> this one. I wonder who I could be talking about, Mother Multiverse. Uh, <laughs> the journey of spiritual life is fraught with many transformations and insights. While these perspectives often challenge the mainstream views of our society, Sometimes they even challenge our pagan community. How do we wisely approach what we reveal to our fellow pagans? Wow. That's a mouthful. It's a huge one. And like there's those huge controversies going on even here this weekend. So this is So let me let me make sure it's the same controversy. Let me make sure I understand the uh, the clear let me clarify this question. So basically what they're asking is so I had this experience, how do I express that to the wider community? Right, like I think it's even a matter of, from the way I'm reading the question, and, and voices from the peanut gallery are welcome for clarification, but we, uh, the way I'm hearing it is like, if your realization of some of these practices is changing, how do you talk to some of the other pagans about that? Would you want to clarify a little, Mother Multiverse? I mean, sure, um, as far as that goes, I'm sure all of you have had some pretty big initiatory experiences or some very unique moments of, say, UPG, where something happens oh, and yeah. just like, okay, this happened. I know this happened. There are people who are close enough to me who are going to believe me when I say it. Right. But if I start saying it to, say, beyond that close group who's, you know, in your, like, circle of trust... They might kind of look and be like, that doesn't, I, I can't, no, not real. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, I do so know exactly or, what you or, mean. Or not right, or heresy. 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 So here's the funny part. I think it's funny because we'll often get a lot of resistance, I think, within the pagan community at first, but then it changes. And I, th- I think I got two good examples of that that you guys will be able to relate to. The first is... Loki loves fireball whiskey. Yeah. Right? Mm. Like the first time that was mentioned, it was like, there's no lore for that. Wouldn't he like ale? Well, yeah, if you're going at these, you know, really old writings and stuff, of course. But it's just a few short years later, pretty much everybody's like, yep, Loki likes fireball whiskey. There's no, you know, the other one is like, I'm seeing a big one is ancestor altars. Like, 
what, 10 years ago, you would never hear conversations at Convo or any place else about building ancestor altars or having ancestor veneration or ancestor worship. And this that was, was like with Santorian folks. Yeah, that was like on the outskirts Still. of the pagan community, where now it is so accepted. I'm seeing it worked into every single practice and corner, and that's that's oh. great. It just takes time sometimes, I think. Yeah. So, I, I think kind of diving into the experience itself and deciding whether or not this is something that needs to be shared versus this is something I need to hold yep. to my chest because there, right. there's some experience that I've had that I will never tell anybody about and I don't even think he knows you know these it's are going to be your next assignment now <laughs> Telling those stories? No, I don't want to. And that, folks, is how you push back. <laughs> so, right Do you see the fear in my eyes? Um, but I, I think there comes a bit of um, discernment in whether or not it needs to be shared. And if you have that feeling it does need to be shared, then the right people are going to hear it and accept it as, oh, yeah, no, I trust this person. I trust their practice. I trust what they do. So I, I trust their insight on it. I trust what they've seen. You know? Go <coughs> Going back to the fireball thing real quick. Right? So the, the fireball whiskey thing came out of UPG, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Unverified personal gnosis. If you don't share that, there's no way for it to become verified personal gnosis because yeah. nobody else freaking knows. So there are eight ten people out there who probably had the same experience you did probably more but we'll just pick <laughs> right. a random small number and but if you don't share it and they don't share it it stays nowhere and the rest of the community doesn't get to uh, become a part of it so you in my opinion sharing UPG is very important <coughs> I came up with something the other day and shared it with Saren and he was like me but uh, <laughs> no, I gave you a longer response. Check your messages, you ass. I know. <laughs> the first message was me, and then the second message was, "Oh, okay, I kind of get what you're saying." But, <laughs> but and, and and it's from a path I have nothing to do with. It's heathenry, um, and I'm I have a kid who's a heathen, but we were talking about heathenry, and something popped into my head, and I said it on a podcast. Listen to the heathenry episode. Um, and it made a lot of sense to me and it made a lot of sense actually to some of our listeners so mm -hmm. when something our listeners go oh this actually makes a lot of sense and it's heathenry based I send it to Sarah because I'm like I need somebody who has help help yeah help. am I right am I wrong yeah. is it so um, yes <laughs> you're right yeah okay so anyway but if I hadn't shared that with Sarah right I would not now have this you know, collaboration of sorts of going, okay, well, maybe it's not just me and some random shit that popped into my head. I, one thing real quick. Um, I think another thing that is really helpful is having a group of practitioners together because if I were to go, if I had ever gone through the Caro initiations on my own, there's a good chance I would be on the third floor of some hospital somewhere, you know, itching my own back because... <laughs> some of the things I experienced were so far left field that I couldn't believe them to be true myself if my IU mates hadn't have experienced nearly the exact same thing. So having other people going through that and having that ability to bounce these crazy experiences off of them saying, 
did you see that too? And have them go, yeah, I fucking did. That shit was cray cray. <laughs> um, really, was kind of I really want to hear Marco say but, "great, great." Now. Get, Let me I'll just say that's happen. on a podcast forever. Right, <laughs> just letting you know. That's fine. I I, I have a sixteen-year-old okay, stepson. Our, it's now going to be part of our opening music. I'm going to have I'm going to have somebody dubstep that shit. <laughs> <laughs> now you said it. Will yes. So if anybody's good at dubstep. Um, but Sarah, you were going to say something. Oh, I have no fucking clue now. <laughs> it was I, a cray-cray, wasn't it? I think it's also important to realize, like, just like we had these conversations earlier, not everything has to be universal. Like, especially in the pagan community, where so much of us are having UPG, if someone says to me, no, that doesn't work for me, I have to do it this way, cool. I've got no real authority to go, no, you're wrong, unless you're one of my students, in which case I'm probably still going to... Have Say some no, level of flexibility. Well, <laughs> they've got it. They, they laugh at me. They tease me. They said I was like, God, was it Giles from Buffy? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> like, 100% Giles. Yeah. You guys are wrong. Okay, let me think about it. But, <laughs> that kind of thing. I but, have no idea what you said, but I'm certain you're wrong. Yeah, exactly. One more question. Yep. Um, so I guess I'm bringing in sort of a lot of the conversation to. The way that we, because this made me think about the way that we present ourselves in the world as pagans, as uh, whatever particular path we might be following, you know, in my case, you know, as a heathen, as a polytheist, um, I'm really thinking about the fact that oftentimes, you know, for Christians, they're able to represent themselves often very openly, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and there's not the same concerns about being pushy, you know, it's like if someone says, um, God bless you to me, you know, I'm supposed to accept that, and I do, and I appreciate it. But if I say, you know, may the gods bless you, or, or um, may Hella, the goddess of death, bless you. Was that know. a threat? May your ancestors lift you up. I love it. I love it. Someone sneezes, and you look at them very seriously, and go to hell. What? <laughs> But, you know, I, I, I get very different responses, even if I'm not just being a pest about it. Um, and so oftentimes, and, and especially, too, dealing with some people have various different uh, experiences with religious people. You know, I'm uh, part of the trans community. A lot of us have been very hurt by deeply religious people, usually mm-hmm. Christian. Mm-hmm. And uh, but even still, coming across at, from a very religious basis, even if it's a very different religious basis, I I want to make sure to represent my faith well and openly. But I don't want to feel like I'm trying to push it on people or convert people because that's not really my goal. It's just right. to represent my myself and honor my gods in my interactions with other people in the right way. And so I don't know if some of you have thoughts on that. And, and For me, this is this is a really tough subject um, because I, I don't really know myself, but the things that are coming up in my brain initially are, one, if you wish to share your faith and your path with other people, ask first. You know, make sure you have that consent of, do you care to know what I'm doing? Do you care to hear my side of my spirituality? You know, may I offer you some things that I've learned along the way? Um, and usually the, the resounding answer is, yeah, I'm open because I'm fucking lost. But um, the other thing is making sure that you're comfortable 
with sharing that? I mean, I know there's a certain level of fear that you'll face to say, if somebody says to you, you know, God bless you, you can say the gods bless you in return. You know, most people will kind of, they'll hear the S and they'll be like, wait, what? And then you're already gone at that point. You know, it, it kind of, it, they get that little confused question mark above their head for a second and then it just passes by because they're like, all right, well, that was weird, but whatever, and keep walking. Um, and then my third point on that is your gods don't actively want to see you in harm unless it's for an actual purpose. Um, they're not going to throw you out in the world and say, you know, be my evangelist and spread the name of Odin across the... Well, actually, that's Yeah, that's not a good choice. That's, that's a wrong choice. I'm sorry. Hella, hella I love is, you, old man, but you son of a bitch, you're practically sending out postcards. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 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 you so much sometimes. <laughs> but, but, I'm over here. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry for that one. Um, i good. But Hella wouldn't, especially coming from the experience that Hella experienced in the realm of the gods, being um, facing judgment from them, having gods turn away from her because of the way she looked, um, essentially being ignored because she's half rotting corpse, half beautiful woman, um, and then being forced to go, well, actually be given the, the realm of Helheim to watch over the dead, the ones that nobody else wanted, you know, she found comfort there, you know. So for me, that's a huge message from her. Find where you're comfortable and move forward from there. She wouldn't want to see you in active harm um, in any way. Uh -oh. just, just we have more to, hands. Just to add on <laughs> to your, your community, it, um, I get thrown this a lot, saying, well, your only belief in the hummable they speak of same sex and Odin speaks of it as being waste and they say well see your religion matches Christianity you should be against these groups and I'm going well when the gods first appeared to us it was a hell of a hard time to live mm -hmm. so children were everything your your village did not increase so he doesn't say he's against these groups he says that at this particular point in time, it's a waste because we need children. Now, bring us through the ages to now, and this is where I, I really hate when people say your religion is anchored in the past. Yes, it's anchored in the past, but the boat still floats <laughs> all over the ocean. Yes, it's great to go back to those roots, but he never said he hated these groups. He just said, at this time, it was a waste. Now, at this time, if he was to present to us, he would probably say, hey, I'm cool with that because we have so many people in the planet. This is a great, as long as you continue following your nine virtues, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. I hate it when people put words in my belief system. <laughs> And, yeah, you know, I actually really researched this because I was challenged very strongly with this. And it's something I personally cannot get behind. And then when I actually read the, the passage, I said, well, he's not saying he hates these groups. He's saying at this moment in time, it's a waste because we need as many children as possible. If you 
find the meaning of what he's truly trying to say. You also can't, like, as a god, say something terrible about a group and then swan and chill. Right. So, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of dichotomy there. Can we catchphrase that for you? Yeah. We, I, we are, we're actually developing t-shirts that say, don't swan and chill. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, and I, I think, really, so <coughs> part of my answer to you would be that, you know, we probably operate under the boundaries of hospitality much more than we realize. Um, you know, if it's in a workplace, there's a certain level of hospitality that has to go towards coworkers and that sort of thing. And in some ways, part of my response would be, as I was suggesting that you would push back with Christians at, but just just live it. Like, live your example. Yep. Yes. Um, there's a reason that the gods have chosen us, because we're strong enough. Right? We are the people that are strong enough to not be the popular ones, to not fit into society just right, to fulfill needs that need to be filled. So you're on this path because you're strong enough to live as an example. So just do that. Basically, they believe in you, so believe in yourself for just a little bit. That's right. Don't believe in yourself, believe in <laughs> I think we got time for one more real quick well, one. There, I, there's just like one other point that I'd like to kind of throw out there for thought and, and feedback just coming from my own perspective. I understand like the virtues and things like that, but there's a certain amount of, I'm, I'm taken back to a class with Selena Fox when she was here a few years ago, and she was talking about um, making your way kind of in, in, a, in the mundane world as as a pagan and she really stretched stressed the um, like how you portray yourself and there is there is validity in being truthful and there is validity in in being self-reliant and and confident in who you are as a person but remember that there is there's a certain amount of finesse that goes with that. Mm -hmm. You're a face, a lot of times, you know, of the pagan community in general. Yep. And so, you know, I, I see like so many colorful folks here and I get so excited about, you know, seeing props and, and makeup and, and hair color, because yeah, I do, I'm, I'm into the crazy hair color too, but, <laughs> In the mundane world, if I were going, for instance, to the hospital as a clergy member, if I were going to the hospital and wanting to be um, on a list of people who could serve the pagan community, I'm probably going to have a nice pair of dress pants on, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go in there with like maybe a big medicine bundle like I might if I were doing a working, but I'm going to look professional and I'm not going to, you know, cackle a lot or whatever, you know what I'm saying? There's a certain amount of professionalism right, right. that comes with you doing this work, especially if you're following someone like Odin. Yeah, That's yeah. my opinion. Mm -hmm. There's two sides to this. One is respectability matters in certain circumstances. The other is being a challenge in the world is what we are as people because we don't fit. Oh, louder. So there's a difference between respectability <laughs> politics and being in the world 
as the thorn. Um, so one of the things that has been put on me and that I'm pretty damn sure is going to have to happen is the runes want to be on my arms. Visible right there on the forearm. Why? Why? Why now? Well, I'm established in my job. I don't have to worry about getting fired for some bullshit trumped up charge. Um, and I'm the only out pagan in my facility. Sometimes our responsibility is to be the not disrespectful one, that's not the word. The face. More than that. To be the Embodiment. The Embodiment the line matters. The so line we're talking about Hella. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I was the only pagan on staff at a funeral home once uh, a couple of years ago. Um, there are things that people just don't pick up on unless you're sensitive to religious traditions that you're in or out of. There were funeral assistants that didn't get certain cues from people's body language. <coughs> they didn't get from the body itself that it wanted to be treated in such a manner. They'd ask me, well, why are you blowing smoke on the grave? This person's in the ground. What's it matter? It matters to the dead person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. By showing that visible respect for the dead, there are people who are affected by it. I've had instances where I've been in a graveyard making offerings and somebody happened to have come in and it was their family member. And the family member was half Cherokee and I had no idea. And the person said, you just honored them in the best way possible. And I went, awesome. <laughs> and sometimes our job is to be the unquiet thought. Ah, Loki, the unquiet thought. <laughs> Sometimes our job is not to be comfortable, but to be the discomfort. Mm -hmm. Hair color. It's one way. Visible tattoos. How we comport ourselves. What we'll allow in conversation. Challenging social mores, sometimes subtly. All of these things are important. And it may or may not be on you to do them. Not everybody needs to be a face. Some people just need to live their lives and go through life simply. It is not incumbent on every pagan to be a representative. But if you find yourself in that position, you wield a great deal of power. So caution, but fear, right. no. <laughs> Well, I hate to do it, you guys, but it's almost that time. So uh, I want to thank Carr for joining us. You're welcome. You guys go subscribe to Free Pagans and a Cat if you're not already. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you're subscribing to Around Grandfather Fire, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for coming.
what we 